have a hang of a lot I want to get through today because this topic is huge and there's way too much to share it all with you this morning, so I'm just going to trust that it's what needs to be said is going to be said this morning. Okay, but work is spoken about in, from the very first chapter in the Bible. Okay, Genesis 1, verse 1, we see that um, God is doing the work of creation. Okay, he's, he's um, building this incredible earth that, he's, that he made for us. I, found, I sound very echoey. Okay, I'm just going to keep going. It's a bit distracting. Okay, then God makes Adam and Eve, and he places them in this garden, and he commissions them to work the land, okay, to build something from it. And have you ever wondered, why did God put Adam and Eve in a garden? Why not a city? Why not a well-established, well-functioning city, or at least a, a house, maybe a castle, I don't know. Why not put him in, in something that was already there, that they could just relax and enjoy life with God? I think that's what we would do, right? But that's like asking, why do people buy Lego for their kids? Why not, why not give them this beautiful, beautifully built Lego Friends treehouse and say, here, go and enjoy it? Because the joy isn't in having this put together thing, the joy is in building it. Yeah. And often we don't buy it for our kids, we buy it for ourselves. Because <laughs> we want to build the Lego, okay? And I hear Alan amening in the back there, okay? Um, so the joy is in sitting with your kid and building this together and then sitting back and being like, wow, we did that. And that, that was God's heart in, in creating us and creating this world. He wanted partners that he could build something with. Okay, we, we, we were created to work the land, to build. Okay, the garden was never meant to stay a garden. It was meant to become society like we have today. That wasn't our plan, that was God's plan. And he equipped us to build this with him. So we are to take the natural resources that God has given us, add our unique personalities, our gifts, our abilities, and partner with God to build a society, to make a world, a beautiful world to live in, and to enjoy it with God. But that doesn't sound like the world we live in, does it? Okay, we, it's, work doesn't seem like this beautiful partnership with God. Okay, it, it seems a bit more like a sole proprietor, where work has shifted from partnering to more of a, I'm going to make money for myself and build something for myself. And it's, about, it's become about making money. And often we end up getting our identity or our self-worth from our title or the size of our paycheck. I mean, what's the first thing we ask people when we meet them? What do you do? And then subconsciously, we, we place them in a, a certain box of like, okay, that's their status in life or that's their financial situation in life. And suddenly work is no longer about purpose and about calling, but about accomplishment and accumulation. And then you throw in advertising and social media and you're just bombarded with images of all these things that you don't have, and so you want to work harder so that you can get those things, so you can spend that money so that you have to work harder to pay for those things that you've already bought, but then you're buying more stuff at the same time, and it's just this constant, you know, rat race that you're in, or maybe it's, we should call it the human race. And the end result is people spending money that they don't have on things that we don't need. Okay, work today is more like a hamster wheel, where there's just this 
constant, okay, one more spin, one more spin, one more spin, and then I'll get there. One more try and I'll arrive. But the point is that we never arrive. We live with this turmoil of, I'm almost there, just a little bit more. But of course, we never stay satisfied for more than just a moment. And um, John Thomas says it like this. He says, we live in a state of unsatisfied desire. You see, we were created to live for eternity. The big plan was to live with God in eternity, close to him, this infinite God. But yet, so we have this infinite desire because we're meant to be, it's meant to be fulfilled by this infinite God, but yet we're finite humans and the things we're trying to fill our life with are finite. And so they're never going to satisfy. It's never going to be enough. And so we have this endless desire for more, which will never be satisfied by this world. St. Augustine says this, thou, thou hast made us for thyself, O Lord. Our heart is restless until it finds its rest in thee. So our heart is restless until it finds its rest in thee. And that's what I want to talk to you about today, rest. And I've titled my message, I am not a machine. Because sometimes we forget that. Because we're in this race of, of needing to do all these things and needing to get all the stuff that we forget that, that we're just human and we have limitations. We need to learn to power down, to unplug, and to be in one place at one time. So how do we break this addictive pattern of accomplish more, accumulate more, accomplish more, accumulate more, work hard, buy stuff, work harder, buy more stuff. How do we break that pattern? And I believe the answer is to Sabbath. So this, this is the point that we're wanting to un unpack today is what is a Sabbath? What does it look like? And how can it change my life? You see, desire is an addiction and Sabbath breaks that addiction. And the word Sabbath comes from the Hebrew word Shabbat, which just means to stop or to cease or to be complete. And it's, Sabbath is a way to say enough is enough and to draw a line in the sand. It's to put a day aside where we stop consuming, we stop wanting, we stop working, we stop worrying, we stop all this busyness that's going on and we just rest. We rest physically, we rest spiritually, and we rest emotionally. It's a time to be content. It's a time to say, I don't have to get everything I want. I don't need all that stuff. It's a way to say no to consumerism, to lust, to gluttony, to greed, and to say yes to Jesus, to say yes to aligning our lives with him in the way that he would live if he was us. And so my first point today is that Sabbath is built into the rhythm of creation. So Sabbath is built into the rhythm of creation. If we look at Genesis 2, verse 2, God's created this incredible world. It says, so the creation of the heavens and the earth and everything in them was completed. On the seventh day, God had finished his work of creation, and so he rested from all his work. And God blessed the seventh day and declared it holy, because it was the day he rested from all his work of creation. Now, this isn't a picture of this weak God that got tired because he worked for six days, shame. This is, that's, God is infinite in his power. Yeah. He, he's, he's, how do you say it? He's all-powerful, okay? He doesn't, his power doesn't get depleted from giving some out. He's all-powerful. He has a constant supply of power. But yet he chose to stop and to rest. And this is actually a picture of God sitting back going, ah, 
this good. And I always have, I mean, this is my interpretation, but I always have this picture of God walking with Adam and Eve through the garden and just enjoying their company and looking at the animals and interacting and being like, wow, this is a great place. Like, this is amazing. And just enjoying the hands, uh, the work of his hands, taking delight in his work. And so we're made in God's image. And so we, we work because God worked and we rest because God rested. And Sabbath is an entire day set aside to follow God's example, to stop and delight in his world, to stop and delight in our life, in his world, and most of all, to delight in God himself. You are not a machine. You can't just keep go, 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 go. There's a rhythm to life that, that brings health, that brings healing, that, bring, that is life-giving. And that rhythm is actually woven into the very fabric of our world, of creation. I mean, if you look at the seasons, the seasons change. They don't stay the same. There's, there's a time where it's hot and the, it's, or it's sun, spring and the plants are growing and everything's growing. And then there's a time where winter comes and the growth stops and the plants rest and the land rests so that in spring they can grow even more again. Yeah. And, and this is something that God's put into the very fabric of our world. Yeah. Okay, animals, animals rest. Some hibernate for whole seasons at a time. They spend all their energy working hard to create, to, to gather food, and then they rest. Okay, God has put this into creation. The fact that the sun comes up and the sun goes down, or the world turns, but you know what I mean. Okay. <laughs> it doesn't stay light. If we were meant to just keep going, it wouldn't get dark. Okay, our bodies wouldn't need rest. God has, has made us to live in this rhythm that he has put of work and rest. And often we think that, that um, work is the opposite of rest, but that's not true. The opposite of, of work would be laziness. Okay? Work and rest are actually friends, and they work in this like symbiotic um, relationship where there's this rhythm of you work hard, and then your body needs to rest and recoup. And then because you've rested, you can work hard again, and then you need to rest again. And it's this rhythm that if we can get align ourselves with this rhythm that God has, has actually ordained, our lives would be so much more productive and fruitful and enjoyable. Not Abraham. <laughs> okay, it's a healthy rhythm. And then secondly, my second point is Sabbath is a day of rest and worship. So God, we see God blessed the seventh day and declared it holy. And in that chapter, God actually blesses three things. He blesses the animals, he blesses the humans, and then he blesses time or the space, a day. And when he blesses the animals and the humans, he says, um, go and be fruitful. He gives them the ability to procreate, to, to, um, to make life. And so he sends us out to go and fill the earth with life. And he does that for the animals, and he does that for the humans, and then he does that for the Sabbath, for the day. He actually gives it, he blesses it. The seventh day has the ability to produce life in us because God blessed it. So even if you love your job, you might love your job. You might be a stay-at-home mom and love it. You might be at varsity and love learning, love doing it. Even if we love it, by the end of the week, we're still not the same people that started it. We're still tired. We still need something to re-energize us again, to produce new life in us. And that's what the Sabbath does. Rest refills your emotional, your mental, your spiritual, and your physical reservoirs or tanks. 
The Sabbath is a life-giving day that fills us up with more energy, more creativity, more optimism, more vision, more passion, strength, clarity, and hope. So the Sabbath is a day to rest, but the Sabbath is also a day to worship. And um, so we see that God actually sets aside a day, the day aside as holy, and he calls it holy. He chooses to make time holy. Okay, often you'd see like a temple that was, you know, or a space where God's presence was that was holy, or a mountain where God met them that was holy. But here he, he makes a, a time holy. And Abraham Joshua Herschel says, the Sabbaths are our great cathedrals. Because a cathedral is somewhere you go to experience God. And the Sabbath is some, a time where you go to experience God. Now the Sabbath is not the same as a day off. Okay, your day off is where you do all your work that you don't get paid to do. Yeah. You're um, running around doing errands, you're fixing up your house, you're working, you're cutting the lawn, um, you're sorting out that stuff drawer that's just always got so much stuff in it. Um, you know, all those little things that you don't get to do in the week, you do on your day off. You do your shopping maybe, or you're running around dropping kids off at different places. That's not the same as the Sabbath. You need that day off because you actually have to get all that stuff done. But then you need a Sabbath, and it's different. Okay? The Sabbath is holy. It's a day that you cease from all work, paid and unpaid. The Sabbath is a time to delight in the work of our hands, in the world around us, and to enjoy God, to focus the attention of our hearts, not on what we need, but on what we already have, to simply enjoy, to be content. It's a day when I'm fully available and present, with my family, with my friends, with God. It's a day to be in one place at one time, where there's no to-do list, there's nothing to accomplish. We don't buy, we don't sell, um, we don't need more stuff. Okay? We don't, it's not a day to, to, to flip through magazines and be like, oh yes, we need that in our house. Oh yes, we need, we need to buy this. Oh, our house could look like this, or whatever it is that we, um, where that desire is. It's a day to actually look around and be like, wow, I'm happy with what I have. Wow, God, look how you've blessed me. Wow, God, my kids are amazing right where they are right now. I don't have to wait for them to get out of this phase or get out of that phase to be happy. Where they are right now in this phase, like this is great. I'm going to enjoy this moment right now. We owe it to our creator to enjoy the world as an act of worship. God actually wants us to enjoy his gifts. When we give somebody a gift, what do we want? What would be the best thank you? Is for them to actually use it. I've given people vouchers before and I find out they never used it. And I'm like, I know, I've given you a gift again. Like, I actually wanted you to go have that experience. Okay, that's God has gifted us with this world, but often we don't even enjoy it because we're too busy trying to make something or produce something or be something. Okay, God, the best way that we can worship God is actually to just enjoy what he's given us. And you can use this as a filter for, for your Sabbath. Okay? Is it rest? Is it worship? If it's neither, then just leave it for tomorrow. It doesn't have to get done. You don't have to think of that thing. You don't have to do that. You don't have to buy that today. You can ask, is it rest? Is it worship? Is this helping me to be content? Is this helping me to enjoy what I have, or is it causing me to want something that I don't, that I don't have? So the 
Sabbath is a day to rest and a day to worship. And then thirdly, the Sabbath is an invitation. Okay, the first time we see God inviting people into this, this rest, this day of Sabbath, is in Exodus 16. It's the one scripture I didn't give to Ryan, so don't panic. Um, it's Exodus 16, 23. And it's, it's when the Israelites have, they've now come out of slavery, and they've crossed the Red Sea, and they're heading towards the Promised Land, and they're in the wilderness, and they start complaining. And they're like, oh, there's not enough food here. What are we going to do? We should have stayed in, in, in Egypt. Because, you know, they forget. They forget what it was like there. But they're like, at least we had food there. Somehow your mind doesn't work right when you're hungry and you forget a lot of things. So they were hungry. And that's where God says to them, okay, I'm going to, or Moses goes and speaks to God and, and God hears their complaints and says, I'm going I'm to provide food for you. And he actually gives them manna every morning and quail every night. So they wake up and their food is just lying around for them together. And at night, the birds just come and nicely, you know, line themselves up so they've got plenty. God provides in such a miraculous way. But he says to them, I'm going to do this every day for six days. Okay, you're going to have it every day for six days and don't keep any for the next day. So they weren't allowed to keep for the next day. And obviously some of them tested that, you know, just in case he doesn't do it tomorrow, I'm going to keep some. And that actually goes rotten and gets maggots in. <clears throat> so they realize, no, they actually have to work every day. I think God knew it's good for people to have a purpose, yeah. to get up, to do something. So for six days, they had to work. They had to go out and gather the food. And then on the seventh day, there was no manna. He said to them, on the sixth day, I'm going to provide enough. I'm going to provide double the portion so that you don't have to work on the seventh. I want to give the seventh day to you as a gift, as something where you can just rest. I mean, they just come out of slavery, so they were used to working hard 24-7, non-stop. And God's saying, no, that's not the life I have for you. That's not what I offer when I say, come to me. I offer you rest. So I'm going to give you the seventh day as a day of rest. And so in 23, it says, he, he told them, this is what the Lord commanded. Tomorrow will be a day of complete rest, a holy Sabbath day set apart for the Lord. So bake or boil as much as you want today and set it aside, set aside what is left for tomorrow. And then when they woke up on the seventh day, obviously most people went outside to see, okay, was there more? And, and there wasn't. And um, so it says some of the people in verse 27, some of the people went out anyway on the seventh day, but they found no food. The Lord asked Moses, how long will these people refuse to obey my commands and instructions? They must realize that the Sabbath is the Lord's gift to you. Yeah, and God, so God actually provides in six days what they could do in seven days because God wants to bless us with rest, with a day, with a Sabbath day. And that took faith for them to trust God, to trust that, okay, God, you're, you're going to provide what we need. We don't have to keep everything. We don't have to keep it all together. And I think it's amazing how it went off when they weren't supposed to keep it. But on the sixth day, it didn't go off. It was fine the next day. Because God it always provides for us. God always protects us. God takes care of us. And I think he was trying to get them to see that, to actually rely on him as their provider. And so it takes faith. So this is the first time we see God inviting the Israelites into this, giving them this invitation to Sabbath. And then in Exodus 20, we read the, the um, Ten Commandments where then um, God gives the Israelites his, his Ten Commandments, and this is actually one of the Ten Commandments. So God actually puts it, it was so important to him 
it carried so much weight with him that he put it in the 10, the only the list of 10 things that he told them that they, he really wants them to keep. Okay, and it's the fourth commandment, and it just says in, in Exodus 20, chapter 8, remember to observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. You have six days each week for your ordinary work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath day of rest dedicated to the Lord your God. And on that day, no one in your household may do any work. This includes you, your sons and daughters, your male and female servants, your livestock, and any foreigners living among you. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and earth, the sea and everything in them, but on the seventh day he rested. That is why the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and set it apart as holy. So we're not under the law anymore. Like we, we're under a new covenant because of Jesus, and I don't have time to explain all of it, and I'm sure we'll cover a lot of this in the when we do this again, but um, for some people, it's, I know a lot of people are like, yeah, but we don't have to keep the Sabbath anymore because, you know, Jesus came to fulfill the law and we're not held strictly by this, this law of you have to, have to keep the Sabbath, but you're missing the point then. Okay, we don't have to keep the Sabbath. We get to keep the Sabbath. It's an invitation. God is inviting us to do life the way, in a way that is life-giving to do life in a way that's going to produce more love, more joy, more peace, more patience, more kindness in us, to do life in a way that's going to help us to, to be intimate with him, to be close to him, and to actually enjoy the blessings that he's given us. So you, um, John Mark Homer says, you can skip the Sabbath. It's not a sin. It's just stupid. <laughs> I like that. Do you know that the, the, the consequence to breaking the law under the old, under the old covenant, the, the consequence to breaking the Sabbath, to not keeping the Sabbath, was actually death. Like if you didn't Sabbath, your consequence was death. Which sounds really harsh, but this is how serious God was about it. But do you know that I was thinking about it and I thought that's still the consequence, actually. Like it's not physical death, in some cases maybe, but when we keep going and going and going and we ignore the, the limitations that God's placed in our lives, we're going to bring death either to a marriage or to a family. To, you see the family unit breaking down so much these days because we're ignoring the limitations that God has put, the invitation that God's given us. So we might not have to strictly keep these laws because we're gonna, we fear death, but actually I think it still brings that in other ways. And so we get to follow God's way. We can, we can make a choice to do life differently. You know, the Bible says, like, don't conform to the patterns of this world, but allow God to transform you. We don't have to follow the way that, that, that life has, has set up, that the world is doing stuff. We can do things differently. We can do things God's way because that's where it's life-giving. That's what brings real, true life and true contentment and peace. I'm going to leave all of this out and go to my fourth point, which is the Sabbath is a weekly reminder. Okay, putting this time aside is actually just a way for us to remember, to remind ourselves that there is a God and it's not me. Okay, it's a reminder that about what life is really about, what really matters and what doesn't matter. It's a weekly reminder that my identity is not in what I do or what I have that my identity is not determined by the way my children perform or don't perform. It's that it doesn't matter how pe what people think of me or don't think of me. 
It's not about how I feel about my body right now. Okay, our identity is not wrapped in that. This is a weekly reminder to remind ourselves of what is really important. It's a reminder that you are loved by the Father, that you are enough, that you are wanted, that you are cherished, that you are loved. We do this every week to remind ourselves of what life is really about. Um, somebody, I read this and I can't remember who said it, but they said, people who practice the Sabbath live all seven days differently. Because doing the Sabbath isn't just, you know, we've been speaking a lot in work about experiencing God in your work life. And Graham spoke about taking those three times a day to just stop and reconnect with God. So it's not about you can live however you want and then the Sabbath will fix everything. Yeah. Okay? Yeah. When, you, when you stop and you actually start from this, this, this place of rest with God, something shifts in us. It's, it's like the groundwork, the, the um, foundation, something changes. So that when we go into our week, we're already different. We're coming from a place of security and faith and a place of being filled up so that all the other days, it's easier to connect with God in the rest of the week. It's easier to make good choices the rest of the week. It's easier to, to remember God the rest of the week. So we are reminded every week of what really matters. Then we go into our week with a fresh perspective on life and a renewed hope. So what does the Sabbath look like? Okay, it's going to look different for each person. Everybody's lives are different. This is not a legalistic thing where you have to do things certain ways or you have to do this and you can't do that and, you, and it has to be on a Sunday or a Saturday. Okay, this, it's an invitation for you to experience life and, and experience God. So take away all of that and let's and figure out what works for you. So I just want to quickly give you some best practices of what it could look like. You can use some of this, you can use none of this. It's completely up to you. Okay? Um, firstly, you need to set a time. So for us, um, a Friday, Friday evening till Saturday evening works the best. It's just Sundays are a work day. It's not a day of rest. <laughs> so, so Sundays are busy for us, so it just doesn't work, so we do a Saturday. For most people, you might do a Sunday. It's the day where you're coming to church anyway. You're here. Um, it's a space to where you're in an environment where you can worship God. It's a day where maybe there's not as much sports events happening, etc. So it's, it's maybe a good day. But for some of you, you might be going to work later on today. Okay, if you work shifts, maybe you have a Wednesday and a Thursday off, or next week you have a Tuesday and a, and a, and a, and a Wednesday off. So then choose a day. It doesn't have to be the same day every week. Just choose, set a time where it's a 24-hour time period where you know that you can get everything else done in the rest of the time and, and you can take that just to rest and to worship God. And then have a preparation day, okay? A preparation day before. So I take my Fridays. I'm off on a Friday and a Saturday. I take my Fridays to um, do all the shopping, to prepare everything, to clean the house, um, to do whatever needs to be done so that I don't have to do anything on the Saturday. This week we actually even prepared breakfast because we like to do part of the best practices is to feast, okay? To just enjoy good food, which we take seriously. So we actually have a big brunch together as a family. So Friday night is pizza night um, where there's a group of good friends that come together. And so we prepare all of that 
before so that we can just enjoy that in the evening. And then I even on a Friday prepare the, whatever we're going to have for brunch. So this week I made pancake mixture and batter and it's a little bit crazy on a Friday. Everyone's rushing around and we're saying to the kids, come, 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 clean the house. It's, it's almost Sabbath. And then everybody's cleaning, everybody's, and then by the, so that by the time six o'clock comes, we're ready just to relax. There's nothing else to do. Breakfast is sorted, dinner's sorted, and we're able to actually just rest. Then another best practice is to have a ritual to start and end your Sabbath. And we've never done this before, so we've been trying to figure out Sabbath for about a year. And it's, it's been a process of trying to, trying to get this right. Um, but I read this in preparation, and we actually tried it this week. And I, I feel like this is something that's really going to help us to shift our mindset. So um, in Jewish custom, they would light two candles, and one would represent um, to observe, because God said to observe the Sabbath, and one would represent the word remember, to actually remember where they came from, where God brought them out of, and why this rest is important. And then the father of the house will actually speak a blessing over the, the kids and the, and the wife. And so we actually did that this week. We didn't light the candles, but we, we sat down, we got everybody sitting before we started the evening, and Reese actually just spoke a blessing over, over the kids, and then we prayed, and we just committed the 24 hours to God and asked him just to bless it and to help us to be present, help us to enjoy. And it really made a difference. It shifted something where even in the kids, they were like, this day is going to be different. Like, this is going to be good, you know? So, so I would encourage you to do something like that. Um, Okay, and then make a plan, have some rules, not legalistic rules, but put something down to help, whatever's going to help you to rest and to worship, okay? Some things could be to feast, to read scriptures, to turn off your phone for the 24 hours, to pray or to read a liturgy, to sing, to make love if you're married to your spouse, okay? <laughs> to... To get out into nature, everyone's distracted now. All the men are like, yes, I'm doing Sabbath this week, come on. <laughs> okay, so to get out into nature, enjoy God's beauty, take a nap, spend time with close friends and family, people that fill you up, um, people that you love, practice gratitude, okay, look around at what you have, and just be grateful, just enjoy what God's given you, and then give it time. Yeah, I know Jason and Sue have been doing this for two years and, and still trying to get it right. We've been trying. I mean, we've had COVID in between, but we've been trying. Just give it time. Try different things. If it doesn't work, change it. Try something else. But try find a rhythm that works for you and your family that aligns with God's rhythm. And then embrace the current season that you're in. I know for some of us with young kids, it doesn't seem like you ever get rest. And that's okay. Like, do what you can in this season. Enjoy them in this season. If you're studying for exams and it's a crazy matric final season, acknowledge that. Like, that's a crazy season. That's okay. You know, but a season is something that has a start and has an end. Yeah. For some of us, I feel like we always say, oh, it's just a busy season. It's a busy season. But actually, it's a busy lifestyle. Okay, so, so just try and make the, see the difference between is this a busy season or is this our life? And then something needs to shift. So acknowledge your season. Okay, so that's me. for you guys quickly before I leave. Yeah, God, I just thank you that you are so good. 
God, the more we find out about you, the more we grow closer to you, we just realize there's more and more goodness in you. And the fact that, that you don't ask us for stuff, you don't, you don't expect so much of us, you actually just want to bless us. You, you provide a day where we can just rest and enjoy you. God, I pray for everyone sitting here and everyone listening or watching this message. God, I pray that you would help us to trust you. Father, for those that where maybe working seven days is the only way they can feed their families, God, I pray that you'd give them grace. Help them to trust you, God. Won't you provide for them enough on the sixth day to, to cover the seventh day? And God, for those of us that are maybe struggling just to stop, because when we stop, we don't know, we don't know how to deal with the emotions that are inside of us. God, help us to trust you, to slow down, to stop. And to, to realize, to see that even if our life is crazy, even if we feel like we don't have something, there's always something to be grateful for. Help us to trust you, God. And I pray that you'd bless our church with just great Sabbaths, God, that'll, that'll influence the rest of our week. We commit each and every one of us to you, God, in Jesus' name. Amen.